It's hard to let go of that. I mean, it's still hard to let go of that. The, the that you're not going to carry the baby. Yeah. Yeah. And did I miss? A, did I fail in some kind of way? Did I? Am I defective in some kind of deep? <laughs> you know. It just am I defective in some kind of way? Am I less than in some kind of way? Am I less worthy in some kind of way? Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Period Sis. I'm your host, Mandy B. And I'm bringing you guys this bonus episode this week because it's probably one of those really, really, really hard episodes that I've had had to get through, but it's why this podcast and official box owner means so much to me, honestly. This week's episode, I'm joined by Melissa. I do want to give a trigger warning to this episode before we start. Melissa has POF, and that's not to be confused with the dating app Plenty of Fish. She has premature ovarian failure. And for those of you who do not know what that means, you go learn today. Have your napkins ready. Uh, this was one of the most touching and heartbreaking stories I've done here on Period Sis, where I was crying. So without further ado, I want to be sure that preface this with there is a trigger warning for anyone experiencing fertility issues at the moment or anyone who may also have POF. It's another tale of womanhood for women by women. Hey guys, welcome to another episode again of Period Sis. I'm super excited for this conversation today. It's an acronym that I fucked up in the email. But guys, again, I'm super excited to once again be shared on this microphone with a woman to share a journey of something that is so common, but yet I had no idea of. Today we are talking about Melissa's journey with POF. And you know what? Let's go ahead and start it there. POF stands for what? And what is it? It stands for premature ovarian failure. Um, and in a nutshell, it's when you have lost your eggs um, and Ooh. you are unable to carry your own DNA of an egg. Um, so, wow. And see, and yeah. me looking it up. It actually, for, for those of you who are still just like, I can't carry my eggs, when I was looking it up, it compared it to pretty much an early onset of menopause. Exactly. Um, yeah. So did you receive, like, were you getting those symptoms from menopause? Where in which, like, let's start from the very beginning. When yeah. did you find out that you had POF? So I found out um, August of 2020, um, that I had POF, um, and the symptoms were definitely there. So five years prior, I had been dealing with, um, premenopause symptoms. So hot flashes, which I still get, um, but you li cycle. where do you live? Where do you live? In Virginia. How do you know the difference between, because again, I, I want to make this as 
you know, just elementary as possible. Mm -hmm. If I live in the South, how do I know the difference between a hot flash and it just, right? maybe I'm just, it's just hot. So originally when it, all this came about, I was in Texas. Um, that's where I'm originally from. So okay. yeah. So when I was getting, I was like, what is this? But I would literally just be sitting, having a phone call with a friend. And all of a sudden my T zone started like just Perspire. Listening. Like, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'd be like, what is this? What's going on? I didn't understand. Um, and I couldn't really figure it out. So the only thing I knew was drink more water. Like maybe I'm hot or maybe I'm dehydrated. Maybe I'm dehydrated. Yeah. So, um, but one of the other things was that, again, my cycle was irregular. Um, but that had like slowly started to progress. And I'm like, my, and by irregular, so my cycle would disappear for like two or three months. I wouldn't get a cycle. Um, and in my mind, the only thing I knew about having an irregular cycle was that, okay, I must be pregnant. Um, because I was about to say, were you taking, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. there's a baby. That's why were you taking, I mean, I think the only other thing that I normally attach to, like if my period is late, I'm like, was I stressing a lot? Um, just because again, irregular periods, if you go to the doctor, they're going to be like, Oh, well, most women that happens, irregular periods are normal, you know, and anything can throw it off from you traveling too much or exercising more, any change in your daily routine. So you were getting just irregular periods and you started noticing, okay, this is happening more often than not. Right. And my original go-to was because I'd ask other women that I worked with, older women, you know, what's going on? What do you think? Oh, it's just stress. Um, I went to different doctors. I had like five different doctors that I went to and each doctor continued to tell me that it was just stress. I'm a teacher and of course, you know, we're stressed, right? But not during the summer. <laughs> I'm free. So, <laughs> right. um, so I didn't understand. And every time a doctor told me that it would be so frustrating because I'm like, no, there's something, something is, something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but something's wrong. Um, but everyone kept telling me the same thing. So when the, um, hot flashes started coming was about three years ago. Um, I, I went to two different doctors at that time to find out what was going on. On Again, it was stress. Um, or that's Can you what share was what told. age? And, and what so age at that you, time, I was, at that time I was 34. Um, when it was happening, I started, my cycle started disappearing, um, about 28, 27, 28. Oh, um, and so again, every doctor was like, no, don't worry about it. It's just stress. During this time I had gone to an OBGYN and I was telling her I was like some weird things have been happening. She was really dismissive. She wouldn't take me seriously. She didn't ask me any follow-up questions. She didn't want to hear any of my questions. I was like, okay, well, this is not helpful. And I went to a couple of other doctors and I was like, hey, this is what's going on with me. Maybe can we look into this? Can we talk? No, no, no just dismissing me and not taking me seriously. They wouldn't run any tests. I really think that's because of the bias against black women in the medical community because it happened three different times. And I still haven't been formally diagnosed, but I know this is what's happened to me. And it has been a little bit crazy. When I got the hot flashes, I was like, okay, um, what's going on? I went to a doctor in Dallas. She told me that, you know, it's just stress. 
I went to another doctor, my one of my best friends, or my best friend, her doctor in Oklahoma, and he gave me, he started putting me on progesterone to um, induce my cycles and make them come. And at first, and that's it was a, that's working. a hormone, Correct. right? That's a hormone, yeah. and a lot of you, I think, have heard us mention it. It's one that's oftentimes found in birth control, even. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you were given those pills, and did you see any changes with that? Well, yeah, just the side effects of progesterone, but it's, it would work. Um, for about a year, it worked. And then after that, it stopped working. And so I would literally every month on cue take the progesterone for 10 days, and then, you know, the cycle would come. Um, but it stopped coming. And the doctor told me, well, just come back. We'll give you a different pill. And if that one doesn't work, then we'll try something else. And if that one doesn't work, then we'll give you an ultrasound and see what's going on. Just trial and error with your <laughs> right. whole ex- like life? What is this? Yes, exactly. So did, did, did they say what these, if this doesn't work, then maybe it's this. If this doesn't work, maybe it's that. Why, why was their solution almost a trial and error with medication? Like, did they say what possibilities it could be? They even? told me that this was normal. But they didn't tell me what it could have been, like what was bringing it on, what was causing it, what, like a diagnosis. No, it was just, we'll try this pill and that doesn't, try this one. And I'm not really a huge pill taker. Um, and so I just didn't want to do it, so I refused to. Um, so I stopped taking the progesterone because it wasn't working. Um, and then I didn't go back to that doctor because I didn't want to keep trying different pills. Um, so my best friend got pregnant, I think last, around last April and yep, that's about right. She, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so she, when I was down there visiting her, she was like, okay, let's, we need to get you to a different doctor. And so, um, I made an appointment, but the appointment wasn't going to be like soon. So when <sighs> I got back to Virginia, I got on, um, like, the telehealth, and I contacted. I found a a black doctor, um, a gynecologist, and I called her. Um, We did telehealth or whatever. And we spoke, and I said, look, before we go any further, let me tell you this. Every doctor that I keep coming across keeps telling me that it's stress. What I'm dealing with is not stress. I'm not – if you tell me that it's stress, then I'm – not going to work with this insurance anymore. I'm changing insurances and that's it. And she was like, nice to meet you. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) Like, it's not me, sis. It's not me. I'm like, okay. So then what, you know, what is it? So I told her everything that I was dealing with, the symptoms. Um, She said, okay, you know what? It sounds like you might be dealing with some fertility thing. Like, you know, Let's check it out. So she gave me a whole. Real quick, can I can I ask you? I know, you know, we said that the missed periods, you know, felt like oh maybe I'm pregnant. At any point, did you question your fertility or, you know, dang is is this something that you know is affecting me? Because again, you you started seeing missed periods at as early as 27, Mm -hmm. and so over five to six years, you were just told it was stress. But at any point, were you worried that this this really could be something that could be bad? Right. Yeah, no, I never thought 
until I was given this diagnosis, I never even thought about fertility, about the option of not being, possibly not being able to have children. Like, I, it never crossed my mind. I just thought, okay, something's not right, but what is it? That's something that we don't typically talk about, like infertility, right? It's so taboo. So it's like, it never crossed my mind at all. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so then you got, so now you're with this new doctor on telehealth. She's a, uh, a black woman doctor. What is that conversation like after, you know, you let her know, sis, I need you to really give me something here. Right. What was that conversation like? And continue on. Well, she said she felt like I was dealing with some fertility issues, but she wasn't sure what. Um, so she said, we're going to do a full fertility, like check on you. So I did, I went to the doctor I got like 20 to 25 vials of blood pulled um, so they could look at like everything within my body Um, so I did that and then she called me about a week or two later and she said okay so I looked at everything mind you I had already Googled everything because I'm like (laughs) okay wait what does that 0.01 estrogen what does that mean 0.01 amh okay what is an amh like i'm looking at everything and i'm em- i'm constantly sending her messages like okay i saw this on google and this is what this is saying so what are you thinking <laughs> oh so no she- not self-diagnosis <laughs> i was all about it my best friend and her mom were like stop looking at google like let's wait let's get what the doctor has to say so she- when she called me she said okay i want you to know i wasn't ignoring your messages it's just you're you're stay away from Google like just let me let you know what's going on and she said unfortunately um, I have to tell you that you um, have something we call premature ovarian failure and I said okay what is that and she said basically you have the body of you're 36 and you have the body of a 51 year old postmenopausal woman and I was like okay were you still like so what does that mean (laughs) or or how like like, how does it happen is it something I did like are those the questions that you just started asking what were what was your initial response to that my first response was silence I was like and then I was like okay wait what does that mean and she said well looking at all of your hormonal levels and everything you don't have any eggs I said well wait not one not one and she said unfortunately you're in that one percentile of women who lose their eggs um way sooner than you know you're 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 supposed to um I said so wait so what does that mean what I don't understand and she said the only way that you'll be able to have a child is through egg donation and I just like (laughs) I lost it. I was like, don't have me crying. Stop. Cause I I'm a crier. And this is, this is also something. Um, and again, I'll tell you, this is something I'm learning more about as far as our eggs, because my best friend just got diagnosed with breast cancer because of the hormonal therapy she's going to have to take. She has to freeze her eggs at 34. And so hearing what you're saying, the only option for you is to get an egg donor you hearing that as a woman, what was, how do you feel about that? And, and I also do want to have that conversation too, because that's something, again, I'm, I have no familiarity with. 
What are those options looking like for you? How do you feel about having to go that route? Is that a route you want to go? Um, yeah. I, I, walk me through your emotions when she told you all of this. Yeah, I, I was at a loss for words. I was, um, I, I said, what, I don't, so there's nothing there, like nothing, like I won't be able to pass on anything of me. And she said, no. And then she said, you know, and let's look into like, because your body is the way that it is, we need to check on your something called DEXA, which is a um, bone density like scan. Just make sure because now I'm more susceptible for osteoporosis because, you know, this good old 37 year old body is 50. So, um, um, so I had to, she was like, okay, but just, you know, soak it in, you know, and we'll talk. So I got off the phone with her and I just cried. I screamed and I cried because, um, it made me feel like less of a woman in that moment. It made me feel like, you know, what did I do? How, how do we get to this point? This doesn't even make sense. And, and why me? Um, I went through a very dark emotional time. Um, you're like, you're going to make me cry. Like, and this is, this is also, again, you saying this, this is why I want to cry because there's so many men and women that shame women for not being mothers and have no idea, like these type of things that women go through. Did you have a partner at the time? At the time I did. Mm. Um, and, um, and in that moment he was supportive. Um, okay. I cried. Um, and he was like, okay, well, we'll figure it out, figure it out. But it wasn't, it wasn't something that we, I could figure out. Um, I would be in the restroom, right. like, and, and then with, with POF, you have all these, and, and just the understanding of, you have all these, like, different emotions, and, like, one minute everything's fine, and then, you know, I see a woman walking down the street with her baby, and I'm just, like, crying, like, and then, and then having this, I don't know why I'm crying, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, and then turn around the next day and get on the computer and virtually teach my kindergartners, (laughs) Um, and I thought, you know, how, all these years, I'm almost, I've almost been teaching for 10 years, and I'm taking care of all these other people's children, and I can't have my own, and, you know, these kids call me their school mom, and I can't have my own child calling me mom um it was it was hard um it was really hard i my best friend and her sister (laughs) um they were both like okay you know what what we'll do we'll you know we'll get your eggs we'll we'll give you our eggs no worries we got this you know we got this um i message my doctor and I was like okay well would I be able if I could do egg donation would I be able to carry a child um so I came in and she did like a uterus um, yes to see if your cervix and everything can actually hold a baby right right and so I went and did that and the nurse that I met was like told me that her sister had gone through it and um 
that she became the surrogate for her sister and you know she was telling me her stories and then so fast forward the results come out and the doctor calls me and she's like okay you you know your your uterus is good if you find an egg donor then you're you'll be good and I'm like oh okay great yay score one there's a positive right <laughs> right all right my uterus is good um <laughs> And so my best friend and her sister were like, okay, we'll give you our eggs. And, but then you find out that, well, one, at the time, my best friend was pregnant. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so you know, there's a process. It can't right. give, she's like, oh, I'm already down here. They can go <laughs> ahead and pull it out. I'm like, their doctors are like, wait, there's, there's more to that than, than that. So, no, you can't do that. Um, and then can her, we, I, I, so this whole, again, I feel like you have now learned what this process is. And so I am going to have questions here. Um, regarding what that process looks like for egg donors and what your doctors are telling you, um, especially being a black woman. Um, I just want to preface before we get into this journey with you, egg donation was something I found on Craigslist when I was in college trying <laughs> to make money, not going to lie. And the crazy thing about it is they require a certain BMI, a height and weight. And mind you, I've been considered obese since I was a kid just wow. because I have hips, I have thighs, I have, and you know, and so when I used to look to, to donate my eggs, there was so many things that pretty much just canceled me out that I right. think cancel a lot of black women out just yeah. because of our genetics and what they consider almost the European standard. When I initially tried to be an egg donor, I was told that African-American women didn't have infertility issues. Hearing that made me really question, does society really know what black women really need do they really care right now i'm five one i should weigh 110 pounds and because i do not i am considered obese and because i'm considered obese they don't want your eggs if you're obese they don't mm. want your eggs if you smoke they don't want your eggs if you don't have a certain college level degree mm. they don't want it and so if you guys look into this Again, just because of systemic oppression and everywhere yes. I think the black community is, it makes it that much harder for black women to donate their eggs. Yes. Um, and uh, again, I only know that again, just because I was looking it up because I was like, "Ooh, I want 30,000 real quick. And I didn't realize how much I just would never qualify to even be a part of that, that process. So now your best friend is, is, is pregnant. So that's not an option. What about her sister? And what are the doctors telling you about what this process looks like for you to get uh, an egg donor? Well, again, with the stipulation. So her sister is <laughs> too is too old. She's a, like <laughs> to be able to to donate. Um, what is so the age limit? I'm not for certain on it, but okay. I know. Um, I think it might. I know it's like either your early 30s or right at 29. I feel like it's 18 to oh. 29. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, so when we found out those weren't options, we're like, okay, well, what do we do? So I went online and um, looked at different egg banks. And again, there's not a lot of us out there. And so. Wow. You look and you're thinking, okay, well, now you're looking for this egg donor, but I want her to have my skin tone. I want her to have my kinky, coily hair. You know, I want her to have these, I want my child to look like me. Um, of course. And, and there's very far and few in between. So wow. there's that. And then, um, and then you also have to look at the 
economic financial part of it um just to do it is just to just to do the eggs itself it's like 20 30 depending and the they have what do you call what i would say is maybe like a vip the vip eggs that you know they it's been shown that or proven that these girl the eggs from this donor has gotten a positive pregnancy um oh, because okay. sometimes you go through it and you try and it the embryo doesn't stick um and so do you get your money back no no you don't no there's some oh. there are some companies or clinics that have like guarantee programs like if it doesn't work then but you know but at that time you're paying thirty forty thousand dollars just for that and can then, i ask you with with the diagnosis though does insurance not help to cover those expenses at all or wh right. what was that no. looking like with it oh so, insurance oh insurance doesn't cover it and there goes that other part of systemic racism because oh wow. you're there are certain companies that um, I'm in different Facebook groups like pay for IVF and different companies that will, um, if you work for them, they will pay for your IVF. Um, but most okay. companies don't. Um, some states, if you live in certain states, um, it's been mandated um, by law wow. that the insurances have to cover it. But most states aren't. So you're now looking at like women who have done IVF three, four different times, well, their insurance pays it or, you know, I chose the wrong career. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're able to do it. Um, and uh, unfortunately my insurance doesn't cover it. Um, and so now then you have to look at, okay, well, what's it, what's it worth? Because I had the conversation with my gynecologist. I said, realistically at this time like how many people have you diagnosed with this like is this normal is this a thing and she at that time in august she had diagnosed five women with it four of them were african-american and wow. i was the only one that was still going to move forward and pursue it and i asked her why is that and she said well why is it that they weren't wouldn't continue pursuing it um and the reason that they gave her was financially they couldn't they couldn't do it so you're paying for this but then you got to think okay well after that i i have to now pay for all my doctor's bills and now i got to right. raise pay have money to raise the child you know so you have to put all these different things into play and um and it's difficult. So, um, where are I, you now in that in that process? Then, if you if since you're the one that continued to pursue, your yeah. best friend wasn't an option. Her sister wasn't an option. You realize that the banks here don't have as many options as you know eggs from women that look like you. Mm -hmm. So, where are you in this process? So, fortunately, having a strong support system has brought me out of the you know, the darkness. Um, I just kept researching and I found a clinic in Barbados. Actually, Kenya Moore um, went there to do her IVF. Wow. Um, to have her baby. And I found that clinic and financially they are 
way less. So it's fourteen thousand dollars versus sixty um, okay. out here, and um, and they have more Afro Caribbean looking women for egg donors. Um, so they did find one egg donor which is really hard to find, um, very rarely, like there's a wait process, it's a long wait process, but they did find an egg donor um, for me, so yay. Yay, Um, right. So the pause is one, financial, and two, I'm currently seeking a sperm donor as well. And so- Oh, you're not in a relationship. No. Oh wow! So it's so now it's a double donor. It is, <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! And what is what is that process like? Do you feel like it's been harder for the egg donor than the sperm donor? Have you started the sperm donor process at all? So I've started the sperm donor process, and actually, it's been a lot harder for the sperm donor. I think if I weren't, if I were doing the, if I wasn't doing the egg donor in Barbados, then I might have some difficulty in finding someone. Um, the sperm donors, so they use banks that are here, and there are very few black sperm donors. So really? So they have, uh, out of the four clinics that they work with, the last time I looked was a couple of days ago, um, and out of all four, I might find like five that meet what I need. So it's crazy because when you're with someone, you don't look into like, oh, is do you have, you know, CMV? Are you CMV positive? You know, do you have, like, what is your medical history? Like, nobody sits and has these no conversations. One, but right? now that I'm looking for a sperm donor, I have a whole sheet Checklist. load of, okay, wow, this person doesn't have that. Okay, his mom had that, but his sister didn't. But he does. I mean, there's so many different boxes to check off or put away so I have like a little notebook and I have my pros and my cons donor two three four five okay he has this but he has that um and then on top of that now I'm having to determine like okay now I'm looking at okay Latino as well as black because there's not a lot of black donors um Okay, well, now I want one with at least curly hair. Well, I want him at least to be dark-skinned so my baby can be brown. Like, you look at all these different factors, and it's so hard. Um, It's hard. Uh, And I think COVID has definitely put a halt on things because nobody's, like, out and about, right? So, yeah. So I went to one, like, a a webinar with one of the banks, and I asked, like, when are y'all going to get some more black donors um and so one of the things that they try to do or are trying to do is to go to some more hbcus and you know put it out there like there is there you can get some money out of this guys so it's great um but it's and the money for the men are is a lot is a lot less than oh yeah for eggs of course definitely i i'm not gonna lie i'm i had no idea that even the sperm banks there was so little African-Americans that were donating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so, but just with the women egg donors, there are all these stipulations for men as well. And most oh. of, they have to be graduates or, you know, yes. they there's like, 
there's a lot. It's a lot. So then after you donate, um, like I found one guy that I was like, yes. And then I called. And the thing is, it's like once you find someone, you have to, bam, show me the money. You need to have it ready, locked and loaded to purchase. Otherwise, there's a waiting list now. Can I, I ask you how much it as someone who's looking for a donor, mm-hmm. how much is that part of the financial uh, burden? How much does it cost to receive the sperm? Right. Um, on average, about a thousand, a thousand to twelve hundred. Okay. Um, if they have proven success rates as far as pregnancy is concerned, you're on the higher end um, versus those. If somebody who hasn't had any confirmed pregnancies, you could go further down to like eight hundred, depending oh, on the bank. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So this is going to be a, a long process for you. How how are you going to stay in high spirits with this, you know, being that? And have you had someone make any uncomfortable or, like, you know, speak on your fertility without them knowing this? Or, you know, do your family members mm-hmm. say, hey, are you going to give us some grandkids? Or, like, what right. has this conversation been had with your family members? And how, do they feel any shame from maybe asking you about children in the past? Right. No, um, for the most part, everyone has been very, um, you know, supportive. I've had conversations with people that I would call like family, um, and I've had some uncomfortable conversations in which, Mm. um, because some people don't believe in IVF or they don't believe in the science of it. And I had one person tell me, well, maybe God just doesn't want you to have kids. Maybe you just weren't meant to have kids. And luckily for me, Um, I'm way stronger than I was like almost a year ago Um, because that probably would have cut me. I was about to say, what was your response to that person? Yeah, it it was strong. Um, And I let her know, in my opinion, that God is in the science um, and that just because because she was telling me that there are so many women that she knows that doesn't have kids and this person doesn't have kids and that person. I was like, but did you ask them? Did you stop to ask them what's their story or why? Like some people have just chosen like the other three girls um, that my gynecologist diagnosed, like have just chosen, you know what? Maybe this isn't the route that I'm going to go. But do you know why they aren't doing it? Um, And she stopped and she was like, you know what? I never really thought of that. I never really thought to ask or see if they were okay or comfortable with not having kids. Um, right. So, or if they even could have them, exactly. like that's the sickness. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of people still have this belief that women were put onto this planet to reproduce. And so as women, when we don't have the ability to, we do, we question ourselves and society questions us as mm-hmm. if, you know, to question why we're here then as if we can't bring anything else to the world. And it's, and it's, and it's sickening. I normally like to have our guests leave off with a tip. What would maybe you wish someone told you at a younger age? So when you started missing that period at 27, or you just knew something wasn't right, 
like many women, again, who may be listening to this and like, whoa, I miss a lot of periods myself. What is a bit of advice that you would give that maybe you wish someone gave you earlier on? Well, when you see, if you start seeing something and you really feel it, something's wrong, contact one, contact a doctor, find out what's going on, but don't take no for an answer. Like, if you don't like that answer, keep going. Um, one of the things my doctor told me when she died, gave me this diagnosis was I wish you had come to me years ago had you come to me years ago we could have there could have been possibly something we could have done maybe we could have frozen your eggs maybe you know we could have done something um but I didn't know and and it's important I think to have these conversations um and know what's going on with your body you know if you you're in your 20s and you don't know whether or not you want to have kids later on in life still stop and think maybe one is this something that could be an option maybe you do maybe it's a good idea to go and get yourself checked um see what's going on with your uterus see what's going on with if there's any eggs in there um and possibly you know freeze them or if you're somebody that's you're like you know what I don't want to have kids go get a little get a little bit of money and um <laughs> And freeze your egg. I mean, sorry, donate your eggs for someone else who who could possibly want to have them but aren't able to. Um, one of the things in um, Barbados, the women who donate the eggs um, do it voluntarily. So out there, they're not able to get any uh, money for it, which is why their costs Whoa. are cut. So that's why... I'm trying to raise fourteen thousand dollars versus sixty, um, because out there they aren't. It's just completely out of their hearts um, that they donate. Wow. So, um, but here, you know, you're able to get a little something and 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 help yourself out, but at the same time, help someone else out. Um, same thing with the guys. Get it out there, but right. know what's going on with your body. Um, one of the things that I feel is so helpful is just having a strong support system. So the times when I have these conversations with people who don't want to support me or who I've kind of lost friends over um, because of the choice that I'm making to move forward with it, it's, it's hard, it's difficult. um, But having that support system, having my, my best friend, her sister being like, you know what, we're raising this money. Hey, look, you know, your GoFundMe is say, growing. Like I need, I, and for those of you listening, like I have a strong sisterhood. Uh, I call them the box owners over here. Um, but I definitely would love that GoFundMe and I want to push it to as many women um, that I know on all of the platforms that I have. Um, because uh, again, I mean, you brought tears to my <laughs> eyes with your story, but it's it's so unfortunate that like, Again, because of how society views women, they don't take the courtesy of what a woman is really going through, you know? And so the idea that, again, people throw out the fact, both women and men, well, you're not a mother yet. You wouldn't. And it's just like, you don't even know that that is an option for me. So, Melissa, I I do (laughs) see your strength. Again, we're both sitting here just crying at this point. Um. (laughs) But I, I have your number. I want to stay in touch with you. Um, and we're going to help you raise this money. That's what that's what we're going to do over here. So, um, guys, if you're listening to this episode, um, 
the GoFundMe link is going to be in the bio of this episode. And also stay tuned. I always drop stats and facts. I was sharing a little bit with you that I found. Um, this is a lot more common <laughs> than actually these doctors are making it seem. It's not just stress. Yeah. It's not yeah. It's not regular to be irregular. Right. Um, and so yes. stay tuned because there's a, a lot of stats to where the next time you go to your doctor, I want you to get checked, uh, seek fertility, seek gynecology. Don't just get tested for STDs. There's a lot that go on with women just being a woman. Um, and I think that we need to normalize checking earlier on than, yes. than being too late. And mm -hmm. You're the second episode uh, where I just sat here and cried. So, Melissa, thank you so very much for joining me today. I see nothing but strength in you, and we're going to help you. We're going to help you get this egg, okay? <laughs> we're going to help you. you get a baby. Um, Melissa, thank you again. And, guys, stay tuned for Stats and Facts. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much. Whew. Before we get into our stats and facts, I just want to say thank you again to Melissa for being so brave um, to share your story here on this platform. I, I, I truly do. I truly do appreciate it. And guys, as mentioned, if you go to my Instagram at Full Court Pumps or follow us um, on the podcast pages at Official Box Owner, you guys can find the link as well as in the description of this episode, for Melissa's GoFundMe. I definitely want to use all of the power that I have um, to help her with her, her expenses in her fertility journey um, and creating a child. Um, again, that GoFundMe link is in the, uh, in the bio and the description of this episode. Um, I do also just, again, as always, I want to share some stats and facts for some of you who may not have known what POF or premature ovarian failure was, but simply put, it is early menopause. Normally a woman will start to go through menopause between the ages of 42 and 56, but POF will occur in one in a thousand women between the ages of 15 and 29 and one in a hundred women between the ages of 30 and 39. One in a hundred women, one in a hundred, those odds, the fact that this is something that so many of us do not know about or are educated on, or the fact that fucking these doctors are still telling us that it's stress or that abnormal things are normal in regards to our periods, in regards to our reproductive systems and organs and everything the fuck else is the very basis of how we are valued in society. And you're telling me doctors still are finding any excuse to send us on our merry motherfucking way. Yes, like I'm just upset. This was one of the those stories. Again, um, if you guys haven't yet checked out what's here on period sis, there's so many stories where it's just like, if I would have known sooner, or if all of these doctors would have just not misdiagnosed me, I could very well be in a different place than where I'm at now. The average age of early onset for POF is 20, which aligns with Melissa. And in some cases, a family history of POF 
is actually linked in about 4% of women that experience the condition. Um, again, some of the symptoms that you may be experiencing are experiences such as hot flashes, no period. One of the things that Melissa actually was upset that she didn't get to mention is the fact that vaginal dryness is one of the things that she's also going through as a symptom, which makes sex very unpleasurable, which is why, again, ladies, we ain't all just born with WAPs. And there can also be reasons we're not as wet as we should be. And it may not have anything to do with our attraction to our partners or something being wrong. Something could be wrong, actually. <laughs> like, don't hold it against yourself, but get checked. Go to the doctor. And again, I know, I know we all kind of hate the doctor because fuck them. Melissa saw five before she got correctly diagnosed. So I understand me even telling you to go see a doctor could be hypocritical in the fact that they still telling us the wrong shit or just sending us on our merry motherfucking way. I, I'm doing a lot of cursing. This episode brought so much passion and a part of it as well just makes me so happy to hold a space and platform like this. If you haven't yet, check out the link for Melissa's GoFundMe. Donate even if it's only a dollar. Even if it's only a dollar. Um, also, don't forget, uh, join our mailing list. Go on over to www.officialboxowner.com. Follow us on our social media platforms. That's Instagram at officialboxowner and on Twitter at oboxowner. We have our very own products coming out. So I'm super, 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 super excited. We have the Balance Box, which is our very own official box owner, Bork Asset Suppositories. And we also are dropping the Yummy Box, which is the official box owner, apple cider vinegar gummies. You will be notified before the public if you just join our mailing list. So go on over. That's www.officialboxowner.com. I'm your host, Mandy B. Thank you so, so, so very much, as always, every week for Tales of Womanhood, for women, by women. Thank you, guys. And until next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.